Blog Talk Radio.
now. Well, welcome to another edition of Prayer International Radio. This is our Tuesday night broadcast. I'm your host, Sean Holmberg. We'll be joined later by Christopher Herzog, who will be with us somewhere around the 11 o'clock hour. Our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for absolutely anything, um, please give us a call. We also have a um, chat room open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash prayer international. And you can always listen to us on our website, which is prayerinternational.org. We also have a prayer request feed on there. Um, So if you have a simple prayer request or a bigger prayer request, it doesn't matter. You can post it there and then have people from all over the world intercede on your behalf. So, um, it's interesting, um, when we do these broadcasts, um, we find that the Lord usually moves in certain directions, um, usually we don't know until during the broadcast, um, to be precise, um, and so an interesting thing happened, sort of where the point of tonight's, um, discussion is going to come in, is that, um, I was praying with my wife because I've been getting into a habit of me and my wife spending time in prayer every night um, before I do the broadcast. And last night we were laying on the bed praying, and um, and I had finished my turn praying, and so she started praying, and she mentioned something to me, which was about us becoming a burning bush, sort of like with Abraham. And um, or not with Abraham, I'm sorry. Sort of like with Moses, and so um, and so I thought it was interesting. And then just yesterday, or the day before, I received, we received an um, email from one of our listeners who mentioned pretty much almost the exact same thing um, in a way, or at least talk, was talking about the burning bush. And so we're going to get into that. For just a little bit And so here's the thing Um, The Lord God reveals himself In various different ways To different people And it's rarely ever the same Um, It's not always an audible voice Even though sometimes Sometimes there is something That's almost like an audible voice um, When he speaks to our spirits Through the Holy Spirit Other times it could be through what someone else talks to you about or what someone else says. Um, the Lord God can use someone else's words to actually speak into your life. Um, I don't know if, how many of you actually realize that, but it's true. Um, you can have be having a regular conversation with someone, and all of a sudden they say something that is a complete answer or a confirmation to a prayer that you had been asking the Lord about. And... So the Lord can work in various different ways. Um, sometimes, usually, most of the time, it's small. It's rare, I think, that there's a big, huge, like exclamation point in heaven giving you a um, a word from the Lord. A lot of times, it's um, a lot of times it's small. But every now and then, the Lord has to make an impact in your life, and every now and then the Lord has to do something dramatic to get your attention. 
um, some people have said that certain natural disasters are a sign from the Lord. Um, I'm not sure that I completely agree with that, but in the Bible it has happened before. Um, take the flood, for example. Um, but anyway, um, you know the Lord's long-suffering, and he's gracious. Um, I couldn't emphasize enough how long-suffering the Lord is, long-suffering being patience. It means, if I can just speak honest and be real with you, um, something we try to do, because um, if we don't, then the broadcast becomes like any anything else, and we don't want it to be structured or planned out or um, anything like that. But, you know, the Lord will wait forever for you. And I don't know, um, we have so many listeners from so many different countries that me and Chris may never have a chance to see um, with the Lord's grace. If it's his will, we'll get to visit many of those countries that you're in. Um, and there's different ones that we have on our hearts. Um, Russia's on the top of my list, and it always has been. But, um, you know, he'll wait forever. For And it not just for the unbeliever, but for the believer too. Um, and it works in two different ways, in a, in a sense. I mean, Jesus said that if there was one sheep out of a hundred that went astray, he would leave a hundred to go after that one sheep. And then he told a story if a woman had a whole bunch of coins and she lost one, she would search her house until she found that one coin. And when she found that one coin she'd be rejoicing in a static. And the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. And, I mean, and so we sometimes seem to compartmentalize the world and we see it as one big package. Um, just a bunch of people out there. But, you know, he doesn't see it like that. He doesn't see the world as just a big, like, unit in one piece um, but he sees individual hearts, he sees individual people um, so much to the effect that he, the Bible says he searches the earth looking for whom he may show himself strong in um, which can be seen in the story of King David because um, before he was King David he was just a boy you know, every ministry, every anointing, every mantle that the Lord puts on your life will start in a place of you encountering the Father. Whether that's something big and dramatic or whether that's you being out in the wilderness or tending sheep or doing a normal job. Um, you know, the prophet Amos wasn't called necessarily to be a prophet like you would assume. Um, he didn't have... Um, a genealogy that would speak to it He didn't come from a long line of Prophets or pastors But it said he was a tender Of sycamore trees um, He was a gardener I mean he worked on trees His whole life until the Lord spoke to him And So you know the Lord will um, Work in your life wherever you're at If you're out and you spend time In the world or outside All the time then he'll speak to you in nature itself. Because the Bible says that 
nature itself declares the glory of God. The very fact that it is declares that he is. And it's hard to be outside. And if you take your eyes off of everything around you, as far as the people and the traffic and the noise, and you just stop and gaze into creation itself, it's hard and I would say almost impossible not to see the glory of God, not to see him and his visible fingerprint everywhere. If you're around a bunch of people at work, there's going to constantly be reminders of him, even for those who don't know him. And, you know, the Bible says that God has put the eternity on the hearts of men, which means every person, whether they're a believer in the Lord or not, has a place deep inside of their spirit that longs for him because it's the one piece of their heart that's not complete, which can't be complete because he created him for that specific, with that specific place in mind. Um, for the believer, it works a little bit different. Um, at times, I think, because we are a stubborn people. Even as Christians, we can be stubborn, and we can fight and battle the Lord for so many different things, being like the children of Israel who complain and are complaining and disputing over everything, um, always wanting things a specific way, um, which is usually our way, and never quite getting to the place of unity, where it talks about unity of the brethren. Um, you know, in Acts, um, on the day of Pentecost, we we read that chapter and about the day that the Holy Spirit was sent to dwell among us and in us, and we get all caught up in the fact that the Holy Spirit came down and there was a rushing mighty wind, and then Peter went out and spoke with bold authority that everybody got saved. But we don't usually spend much time stopping to think about the fact that it says they were gathered together in one place in one accord. But they were agreed. They were unified. They had one goal in mind, which was him. Their hearts and their minds weren't 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 seeking out the biggest church building or how they could spread their message the most. They wanted him and the outpouring and the fruit of their desires for the Lord and the fruit of their relationship with the Lord was a manifestation and a demonstration of the power of God. Um, but even Peter had to go through different trials and tribulations and different um, situations so the Lord could get his attention and the Lord could reveal things to him. Um, there's a story where Jesus said before the crow, I mean, the day before or the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter was filled with pride about having walked with Jesus and served Jesus. And he was convinced of how amazingly strong he was, even though the scripture says that um, it's, it warns about their, that pride goes before a fall. And those who think they stand should be where at least they fall. Um, and so Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. And he's like, there's no way I'm ever going to deny you. This is me. Um, but he did. But through that, he saw himself. And he saw what he was really made of. And he saw the weaknesses that he had, which in return pointed him to Jesus. 
and the love and the compassion that only came from him and the forgiveness, the um, unmerited forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. So um, that being said, um, you know, I know Chris can tell you a story of how he's actually seen, like, visible neon light appear with the words Jesus, that were written out Jesus out of the blue to get his attention. Um, and that's, sometimes that happens, and other times there's, the Lord will speak to you in different ways. Um, and there's a million different ways I can go into this, so I'm just going to start here. Um, this is Moses, um, the start of chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. <laughs> so Moses, we start hearing about Moses, and... You know, he's already had a little bit of an experience with um, the people and the Lord and stuff. But at this point, he's tending the flock that wasn't his own. You know, whenever we, as children of God, are faithful with what's not ours and what belongs to someone else, it makes it easier for the Lord to give us things that are our own. And, you know, the character and the integrity you use when guarding what doesn't belong to you will speak multitudes of your character and how you treat those things that you're own. You know, if you want the Lord to establish you or if the Lord to promote you or exalt you in any particular way, first off, you have to become a servant, which is what Jesus said. And the second thing is you have to be faithful with the small things. You know, some people want to be millionaires because they claim they're going to give away all their money to the world and to the needy. Well, you know, the Lord's not going to start and give you a million-dollar check and say, here you go. He's going to start off and give you 25 cents. And then it's going to be like, okay, what are you going to do with that? And then he'll increase it to a dollar and $20. And once you found yourself to be faithful, then he'll make you, he'll give you more. And he'll give you more opportunity and more of an anointing and more of a blessing and more of an authority and more of a place to be a bigger blessing, but it all it never starts off like that. Um, so Moses started off being faithful to his father-in-law's um, flock, um, and it says the priests of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold. The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. So the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. And then God called to him from the midst of the bush. You know, let me just, I guess, start off by saying we should be that bush that burn with the flame of the living God and are not consumed. The Bible says that he is a consuming fire, which means the closer you get to him, the more of your sin, the more of the things of your flesh get burned off, the more of your ungodly desires, the more of 
your desires and your love for the world get burned off the closer you get toward the Father. Um, but it's not an unpleasant thing. Um, it may be ple- unpleasant for the moment, but it says that um, a good father will always chastise a child. Always. Any father or any parent who doesn't chastise their children doesn't really love their children because they're not looking for the best interests of their children. And, you know, the father does that with us um, throughout our whole lives. Um, the story with Peter, um, I mean, Jesus was chastising him, but also speaking that there was hope at the end of it. Because um, he said, after, he's, after he said, you'll deny me three times, but after you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Which meant the Lord knew, and he was trying to relate to Peter, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up, you're going to screw up. It's human nature. But I know your heart. And when you've returned, which you will, you still have a place in my kingdom. You still have a purpose. You know, there's a son, the, the story of the prodigal son um, who was just, um, a kid in his father's family and has a brother and he decides he wants his inheritance and he wants to go off and see what life on his own is all about. And he gets off and leaves and spends all the money and ends up desolate and alone and um, miserable because he realized that on the out, what's on the outside, as alluring as it could be, could never compare to the, to the peace and commitment and the contentment he had when he was in the presence of his father. You know, a lot of us have been through that. Um, and you get away from the Father long enough that you find out that nothing in the world is as alluring, nothing is as pleasing, nothing is as peaceful, nothing brings you the same kind of joy as the presence of the living God, as being or having the confidence of knowing your place in Him and with Him knowing that you're accepted in the beloved. And so even though the prodigal son left, then when he repented and came back to the father, the father didn't chastise him. He didn't blame him. He didn't do anything negative. He just embraced him and brought him back in. And then he went to call for a feast. Because the father, as far as he, as far as he was concerned, he got the son, his attention was back, and he had a son, and that's all that mattered, and they were going to celebrate, and there was still a blessing for that son. And so, you know, however the Lord speaks to you, however the Lord talks to you, um, whatever he has to do, he does it with the intention of transforming you. The Bible says to be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we as Christians shouldn't blend in. Um, I've heard a lot of people in different ministry positions um, say that they didn't want to be associated or they didn't want people to be widely known of their faith or their belief. And um, I know that Ministry in itself can be dangerous. Um, I know there's many places in the world, and we even have 
people who listen who are in some of those places where it is dangerous to be a Christian. But all I can really say to that is, you know, you were warned beforehand. Jesus said whoever, like, um, starts working and puts his hand to the plow shouldn't turn back. And he said, you know, there's a story where he was, this man came up and said, Jesus, what can I do? to serve you and Jesus is like sell everything you have and come and follow me and the guy went away because he had great possessions and he realized that what he had he didn't want to let go in order to embrace the things that the father had for him um, and you know um, there are times when you need the deliverance and the divine protection that comes from the Holy Spirit but um, this is a small tangent here but you know, even Peter in the Bible, and another tangent is that, you know, if you don't know what the Lord God thinks about a situation, if you haven't been spending time with him to the point that you can hear his voice and you can ask him and get an answer, then go to the scripture. By all means, look and search the scripture and find out what his character says. Find out what his word declares about the situation. Because we have far too many people out in the world who are spouting off nonsense and spouting off doctrines that have no biblical foundation and have and in no way draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything you say and anything you do and every word that comes out of your mouth and every action that you take should be done to bring glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's not just your actions on the outside where people can see you. It's your actions on the inside when you're all alone, and it's just you and the Lord. You know, someone once told me that character is what you do, that everybody else can see, and integrity is what you do when you're all alone and only he sees. But anyway, so um, there's a family I know of who are um, getting ready to do ministry. And um, in Israel, and but they don't want to be. They don't want anybody to know that they're Christians and they believe in the Lord Jesus, because they're afraid they won't be accepted once they get in there, and it'll um, damage their ministry. Um, but I can't find any scriptural basis for that. You know, Peter, or not even Peter, Paul, was thrown in jail, and never once denied the Lord Jesus Christ, not for a second. He talked about being in chains, knowing that his time was near. But even the whole prison guard, even the people all around him in the jail cell, even the administrators of the jail, knew of the presence of God on Paul. They knew of his convictions. They knew of his stance. They knew of his belief. And they knew that he had drawn a line in the sand and that he said, I'm going to serve the Lord God. Just like Elijah did on the mountain before he brought down fire to consume the prophets of Baal. And he said, choose this day who you will serve. If you're going to serve false gods, if you're going to serve the gods of this world, then you know what? Fine, go ahead and serve them. But if, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, the problem with the church today is it doesn't seem like the church. It seems like a bunch of people who are in the world who claim to be Christians. But there's no real sign of it. There's no proof of it. There is no anything because half of the Christian church doesn't even show love and compassion for those on the outside of the Christian church. And the Bible says that they will know us by our love. 
But yet if we don't have the basic of love, even Paul, even Paul said in Corinthians, it says, though I preach with tongues of, uh, though I speak with tongues of angels and give all my goods to feed the poor and I do everything for everybody and I'm perfect in every way, um, which is a big paraphrase. But he said, if I do not have love, then it's nothing. But you don't get that love. You don't get the compassion from the Father. You don't get the heart and the desires that he has become manifested in your life and take over who you are unless you're willing to lay everything down for him. Unless you're willing to spend every minute, every second of the rest of your life and every breath that you have, every single breath that comes out of your mouth is dedicated to him. Because if you're not willing to give him that, then you're going to miss something. Because the second that you're holding something back and the second that you're going off in your own direction is the second that there's a person that could have been touched and there there's going to be a person who needs to hear the words of the Lord, someone who's going to need to hear of the love of Jesus Christ, someone's life who could be radically and, dramat and dramatically and eternally changed, and you're going to miss the opportunity because you weren't really ready or not ready enough or didn't want it enough. Um, you know, Jesus said, a city that's set on a hill should not be hidden. But I don't really see that too much in the world these days as far as Christianity goes. I don't see a strong force. I see um, a million different denominations and people going five million different directions. But yet, the Lord said that he has, like he's told Elijah, he, when Elijah said he thought he was the only one, he said, I have... I have reserved for myself thousands and thousands who have not bowed their knees to the false gods. And so I can say with confidence and in reality that there are still hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Christians in this world, those men and women and even young, young children, whose hearts are on fire for him, whose desires are burning for the Lord. To be in a place of intimacy and to be in a place of oneness with him, where their hearts really be for him, where they're people after his own heart. And you know, the thing about those people is it's obvious. They don't have to pretend, they don't have to try to get ready, they don't have to they don't have a situation come up where that someone needs prayer. And they have to go away and pray and spend time praying and fasting for the situation because they've already been ready their whole life. Every minute of their day is ready because they understand that they don't belong to themselves, that their life is not walked for their own desires so they can do this or they can do that. Their life is walked in such a way that he can be magnified and that the name of Jesus can be glorified and that they realize that they are living vessels for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this earth and they realize when they're not out in the world in front of the people demonstrating the power of God through word and through demonstrations of the Holy Spirit they're alone with the Lord 
whether they're in a prayer closet or they're with their family or they're washing dishes or whatever else, he's still on their hearts and he's still on their minds. You know, David said that he was his sleep was even withheld from him because his thoughts would not be removed from the Father. You know, you get to that place and you become the burning bush that people look at because they can't turn away. And that's who we should be. When Jesus said a city that's set on a hill shouldn't be hidden, he didn't mean that you need to go try to be something. He didn't mean you need to go scream at the top of your lungs. He meant you just be with me. And the light will radiate in such a way that the world will not be able to dispute it. They won't be able to turn away. The darkness won't even have a chance because they won't be found near you. It may be in the corners where you haven't gone to. But the second that you walk in that direction, the light will flee. You know, you turn on a light switch and darkness, the, the darkness that's in that room doesn't stop to negotiate. Ever. It leaves because it doesn't have a choice. You know, the same thing happened in the life of Jesus. You know, it was really prayer. Or maybe it was like 50-50 or 60-40. But, you know, there it says that people would bring to him those who were demon-possessed. But what you will find the stories that it tells, and you know, the Bible could have told many of the stories about, okay, this person came up and he was demon-possessed, and then this person, and this person, and this person, and the Lord healed them all. And it does tell a couple of those stories. Um, but you know, the, one, the stories that really grasp my attention are the ones where Jesus is just walking around, and some person who's demon-possessed, the demon starts freaking out because he recognized the presence of the living God. And the person didn't even have a chance to speak because the demon that was inside of him started crying out, Jesus, Son of God, Jesus, Son of Nazareth, what have we to do with you? Have you come to torment us before our time? And, you know, there's a, another scripture in the Bible where Jesus, or the some disciples, or not disciples, they were people who were trying to follow Jesus, and nobody really knows what their intentions were or anything, but they tried to go cast out some demons because it seemed really cool. And you know what? It's not cool. It's dangerous, and it's a real battle, and it's real warfare. And if you don't know your place in the Lord, and you don't know him, and don't know where you stand with him, and if you're if you don't if you haven't put on the armor of God, then you have no place trying to do anything like this. But they try to go and they try to go cast out these demons because they're like in the name of this Jesus, whom Peter and the disciples serve, we command you to go. And the demons looked at them and laughed and said, "You know, Peter, we know, and Paul, we know, but who in the world are you?" And then the demons attacked them. Because, you know, the Bible says we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
That means we don't fight against the armies that are out there, though they're there. We don't fight against corrupt leaders that are out there, even though we know they're there. We don't fight against the sinners of this world because they're there. No, our jobs as Christians who are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, who worship the Father in spirit and truth, is to make heavenly intercession to make intercession in the heavenly places, to intercede and to bridge the gap and to take, have a spiritual battle and spiritual warfare where the victory has already been won and we are already overcomers through him who gave his life for us. And that's where the battle's at. It's in the spiritual realm. You know, a lot of people... Um, are all concerned and wrapped up in what's going to happen in the end times and is this going to happen or is this going to happen and you know it's true some of it is going to happen how's it going to happen I couldn't tell you and I don't think there's anybody who could you know Jesus said no one knows a day or hour except my father in heaven not even the angels know it and you know if Jesus said no one knows it but my father in heaven I would assume that means that Jesus didn't know it either and the father hadn't revealed it to him because, you know, Jesus said he only did the things that the Father told him to do and the things that were revealed to him. So it's possible not even that was revealed to him yet. And he's just waiting like the rest of us. But, I mean, you know, that being said, um, there's five million theories about what's going to happen in the end times. And, you know, we're getting into a spiritual war. And the darkness is overtaking this earth, and it's not going to get any better. If you're looking for peace and... Um, a, a wonderful, like pleasant. Everybody loves the Lord Jesus Christ and everything else. It's not going to happen in this anytime soon. It's not. It's not going to happen until something called the millennium happens when Jesus returns and set up a thousand-year reign. Um, but until then, it's not. The Bible already speaks plainly that, and it'll be like the days of of Noah before the flood, where men had pretty much wiped out the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ from the face of the earth, and people didn't talk about him, they didn't think about him, they, and then kids were growing up not knowing who he was. And these days are going to be like that, and it's going to get far worse. But yet, there will still be a true light shining. There will still be those who, because of the light of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, are going to be beacons of light that people can't turn away from. They're going to be the burning bushes that are out there just walking around, enjoying the presence of the Lord in the midst of all hell and chaos, knowing that it says in Psalms 91, 10,000 will follow your right hand and however many thousand will follow your left, but it shall not come nigh you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see and behold the reward of the wicked. You know what? An atomic bomb could go off right now in the city that you're in and the city that I am in, I am in, and it's not going to make a bit of difference. Because the Bible says it's appointed every man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Which means if an atomic bomb goes off right now in my house, either I'm going to be with the Lord, because the Bible says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better, like Paul realized. 
or it's going to go off, and then I'm going to get up, and I'm going to walk out my door and find out how many people still are out there that need to be saved. Every minute, every day, every second, every breath is supposed to be for him. You don't get to be the burning bush unless you're willing to let him consume you. People's heads won't turn if there's no reason to turn, if there's nothing different about you, if there's nothing that, that speaks of the Lord Jesus. And it's not hard. It doesn't it's not about being a super Christian and being perfect and walking perfect. The Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times and get back up. It's about your heart. It's about your desire. It's about your intimacy. Because you know what? I've read the scriptures so many times and I have yet to find a perfect man in the Bible. And I have yet to find one anointed person in the Bible who is not really screwed up in their life. David was a murderer. Or he was an adulterer. I don't think he killed anybody. He may have. I don't remember. Moses was. Moses killed someone. Paul killed a whole bunch of people, not directly, but he said, I mean, his whole job was to kill Christians. You know, you search the scripture and you'll find that the Lord took the worst of the worst in terms of the world and he put a mantle of anointing on them and said, now speak for me. And they did. But before they did, they had, to have, they had to have an encounter with him. Moses had it at a burning bush. David had it when he was fighting bears and fighting lions and tending the flock with his father. He didn't get the, he didn't get the huge, like, sign, but he got the still small voice of God. Paul, he had to get a big slap on the face so the Lord knocked him down. But you notice when Paul got up, he didn't say, you know, Lord, I want to have this great ministry. And Paul said, didn't say, you know, Lord, I'd like to go to this place and this place. And, you know, I never really had this. And, you know, now I can actually start making some money and have a bunch of donations. The only thing he said was, who are you? And, you know, some of us, after however many years we've been believers and Christians and followers of the Lord, some of us still need to ask that question. Every minute of every day. You know, I've been a Christian for the majority of my life now, and I still wake up. And I can't even tell you how many days that I'm like, who is this Jesus person anyway? Because the depths of his love is unfathomable. The height of his forgiveness is unimaginable. The Bible says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor has even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I don't think we have even the smallest grasp on who he really is yet and what he's capable of and what he is willing to do to reach the lost and what he's willing to do to get you in his presence and what he's willing to do to show himself to you until the only thing that can come out of your mouth is who are you? You know, the verse I say all the time, Moses on the mountain, standing in front of God. And you'll see the pattern here. He didn't complain about the children of Israel or about his assignment or about what he was doing or the weather. He said, God, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. And then after you know him, then the very next thing that comes out is, okay, so what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do? Forget what I wanted 10 minutes ago and forget what I thought was best for me 10 minutes ago and forget what I thought was the best way of doing things 10 minutes ago. You know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do in my life? What do you, who do you want me to speak to today? What do you want me, my desires to be? Fill me with you. Fill me with the thoughts and the heart and the compassion that Jesus Christ had. Let me really be transformed. Let me really be renewed in the spirit of my mind so that I can have the mind of Christ. So that I don't have to necessarily search the scripture to figure out what his thoughts are because I know him, because I've been with him, because I've seen him, because I've spent time with him. And then you become a burning bush. Then you become alive with the fire of God but you're not consumed. You emanate and radiate the presence of the living God. Because you can't help it. You come down from the mountain and your face will glow with his presence that everybody will notice and you can't hide it. You know, I may have told this story before, but Catherine Coleman was this lady who used to have an amazing healing ministry, and she was the predecessor to um, Benny Hinn, but, you know, a really sweet old lady, and she didn't really pray for anybody. She never really laid hands on anybody. What she did do was walk in the building and before before she would walk out on the stage, she would say, I die a thousand deaths because I know if he doesn't go out there that nothing will happen because Catherine Coleman can do nothing. It's all about him. And there's people out there in the world, like in those auditoriums that she was at, who are needing a touch from the Lord. And, you know, whatever country you're in right now, there are people all around you 
every street, every corner, every town, every city, every village who need a touch from the Lord. And they're longing and they're searching and they're waiting and they're begging and they're hoping for the church of the living God to actually demonstrate and to become that which it was meant to be, which is that light that's set on a hill. You know, Catherine Coleman would walk through buildings and people would be slain in the presence of God just because she carried the presence of God with her because everywhere she was, he was. Because she loved him. She said once, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't you understand he's all that I've got? You know, you can have five million friends and you can have be the most popular person in the world. But in the end, he's all that you have. Because sooner or later, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Sooner or later, we will all pass from death to life. And when that happens, it's not about them. It's not about the ministry. It's not about... Any anything else It's about the relationship It's about you and him It's about standing in front of him And he doesn't say depart from me For I never knew you Paul said that I May lay hold of that For which he has already laid hold of me You know if you're even listening To the sound of my voice It's because the Lord has been calling your name. Come to the waters. You know, Chris talked about that some last night. You know, the waters of his presence. And there's nothing like it. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's nothing that compares the joy that comes in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing compares. There's nothing that compares to the joy that comes in His presence. If you're looking for a commitment and peace, it's in a relationship with Him. If you're looking for answers, most of them there aren't any. Or there are answers you may or may not get. But you don't need answers, you need Him. And that's easy to say. But He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it doesn't matter if you've never heard the name of Jesus before or if you've heard it every day for the last 50 years. Everybody needs to be able to say Lord who are you and what do you want me to do but don't do the second until you've done the first our call in number tonight um, 619-638-8458 if you need prayer for anything um, give us a call we're going to take a break for a few minutes and we'll be right back Yeah. 
praise God. Well, we're back, and this is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog, and I am picking up the second half of the broadcast. Uh, we are going till midnight tonight, and Sean had to uh, step out and go into worship for a little bit. He's in the screening room, and I will be uh, heading up the broadcast, so. If you need to call in, the call in number is 619-638-8458. We've got a handful of people listening in. Also, some in the screening room. If you want to email us, we're at prayerinternational at gmail.com. You can always check out the website at www.prayerinternational.org and uh, send in your prayer requests or comments, concerns. And we have a few people in the chat room tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Praise God. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, Father. And we just thank you, Father God, for those that are listening tonight, Father, those that are seeking you. Father, you said that if we draw near to you, Father, you would draw near to us, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that your words are true. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd surround your people tonight. Father, every man, every woman listening, that you would allow your peace to cover them, comfort them. Father, you'd wrap your loving arms around them right now, Father. And they would experience your peace. They would experience your presence, Father, in such a genuine way. Father, you said just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, you would surround your people. Just as a hen gathers her chicks, so the Lord would pity his children. Father, we take shelter under your wings tonight. We rest, we hide in the shadow of your wings. Father, you said in the secret place, Father, we could abide. You would keep us from the evil one. You would keep us from the terror that flies by day. That though 10,000 would fall, it would not come near us. No plague would come near our dwelling. And Father, we thank you for your covenant promises for your children. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your words, your promises are yes and amen in you. Father, we thank you that you're not slow concerning your promises. But that, Father, you're working a process. You're working a patience. You're working the character. Father, you're forging us in the fire of affliction, Father, to conform us into the image of Christ. Father, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. We thank you for who you are tonight. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord. We just praise you, Jesus. Father, we just ask tonight, Lord God, that you would raise up laborers, send them into the harvest field. Father, we pray for those that are going out on the front lines, going into 
third world countries going in, taking mission trips, traveling, going into the four corners of the earth. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that via internet we can go into the four corners of the earth too, Lord. So Father, for those that are reaching out and enlarging their tent, enlarging their borders, enlarging their sphere of influence, Father, we pray, Father, for those that are going forth into the harvest. Prepare them. Equip them. Encourage them, Father God. Raise them up, Father. We pray, Lord God, that they would be encouraged. That they would be empowered by your Holy Spirit, Father, to go forth and declare your word in in demonstration of your spirit. Declare your word in spirit and in truth. That, Father, they would declare the risen Christ, salvation through your blood. There's no other name. There's no salvation through any other name except the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you are stirring the hearts. You're ripping the blinders and the scales off the eyes of those that do not know you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you're revealing yourself to the hearts of your people, revealing yourself even to those that don't know you through visitations and dreams and visions and through the preaching of the gospel, through media. Father, you're revealing yourself in many ways. So we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord. We thank you for preparing our hearts tonight for opening us up to your truth, to opening us up to your spirit. Father, we pray your will be done, your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is Prayer International Radio, and my name is Chris Herzog. And tonight, I just really wanted to just keep a prayer focused You know, the last few nights we've been talking about a lot of different things. We, uh, I know last night the Lord had me sharing my heart uh, out of Isaiah 55. One of the worship songs that we hit just really struck a chord with me. And then, of course, we finished out the night with Psalm 119, just reading about the psalmist's love and passion for the Word of God, what God says himself about his Word. You know, there's something special about the Word of God. There's something special about the Word that you don't get from any other book. There's no other book like the Word of God. There's no other book that has the power to change and transform your life like the Word. You know, God says himself he exalts. His word above himself That's right He actually exalts his word He takes his word and places it Above Himself He says I'm no better than my name I'm no better than my word And you know we're created in God's image And in the same likeness I really feel the the Father's heart in that saying You know you're no better 
than the word that you declare. And, you know, God checks our character. He tests us. Jesus says we're justified and condemned by our words. You know, it's, it's actually our words that we speak. God says have life and death in the power of the tongue. And so we just need to be careful the way we use the words of our mouth, the words of our lips. God says they can ensnare us, they can entrap us, or they can empower us, they can encourage us. You know, David would speak to himself and say, well, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. You know, he would motivate himself, encourage himself in the Lord. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to motivate ourselves. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. One way we can do that is to meditate on his word. You know, the Bible says in Joshua 1.8, if you meditate on the word of God, you'll have good success. If you do all that's according, all that's written in the law, you shall make your way prosperous. You know, sometimes we talk about the nuts and bolts, the basics. You know, reading the word, prayer, listening to the voice of God. For some people, some of them are chasing new doctrines, new winds of doctrine and new things with the latest and the greatest teaching on this deal or that deal is. You know, we're not out here chasing gold dust and, you know, looking for manifestations. You know, if things happen to people, praise God. If they have encounters with the Holy Spirit, God reveals himself in in some different ways as long as the fruit of it is the character of God. As long as the fruit of it and the produce of it is glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say praise God. But we're always going to get word focused on this show. We're always going to just declare the truth and the just foundation. You know, the Bible says that the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And you know, we need to get the promises of the Word of God inside of our hearts. See, if you don't realize what God has promised you, how can you have success? If you don't realize what God has declared over you, how can you walk out and walk in and into the the words of God and the things of God. You know, that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. So he, we could be led. So we could be filled. So we could have the power of God to overcome. So he wanted us filled and baptized, immersed, and just completely surrounded With the Holy Spirit You know we think that You know you know, Just because Acts tells us repent and be converted And our sins are blotted out And times of refreshing may come From the presence of the Lord You know that's great We need to, to preach repentance 
We need to see conversions. We need to see people turn to God and, and know that their sins are blotted out. We need to see them refreshed in the, the Holy Spirit. But once that refreshing comes, once God restores us into our right place with Him, once He reveals to us our authority and our position in Him, that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, then as believers, we have a responsibility to take it a step further. As believers, we have a responsibility. There's a reason Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. There's a reason he said that. There's a reason he told them, hey, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in how many days? John baptized you with water. But go and wait in Jerusalem and, and wait for the promise of the Father because you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why did God send His Holy Spirit? Why did God send His power? The fulfillment of it, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, he, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. See, they understood one accord in one place. There was a unity. There was a a bond. There was a unity and a bond. And that unity and that bond brought them in a place, put them in a position to receive from the Lord. So Acts chapter 2 they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire the one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and I prayed God well what was this what was happening this is what was happening. Listen, do you remember Joel, where God prophesied and things would happen? Listen to what he said. He said, in the last days it shall come to pass. This is Acts 2, 17 through 21, just reiterating Joel. In the last days it shall come to pass, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the bloom into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is God pouring out His Spirit? Why is God giving us His Spirit? It's to make us witnesses. It's to give us the power not only to 
bring others into the kingdom, but to overcome. See, how was Jesus able to walk without the pride and without the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life? How was he able to conquer the devil every time he was tempted? The Bible says he was tempted just like we were yet without sin. At all points, how was he able to do that? He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was driven by the Spirit. He only did what he heard the Father speaking and what he saw the Father doing. That's what he said. Which means his mind was not carnally minded. He had his mind on things above. He meditated night and day on the word of the living God. Because he knew the promise. He knew the blessing that came out of God's word that says if you meditate day and night. On the word, set his word continually before your eyes. Set no evil thing before your eyes. Whatsoever things are pure and lovely, good report, think on these things. Why does God tell us that? He tells us that because he knows. See, in order to have the mind of Christ, you've got to cast down the vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, how do you do that? You take the word of God, which is sharper than the two-edged sword, and it separates the thoughts and the incense of your heart. Therefore, you can examine yourself by the word because it's like a mirror, the Bible says. When you begin to reflect upon the word of God and it begins to examine and judge your heart, then you begin to see who you really are. You begin to see how much like Jesus you really are or how much like Jesus you're really not. And it's the Word. See, Jesus was the Word made flesh. But see, it was his custom to go into the temple daily. We forget that he was a Jew. And he had the habit of a Jew, which was daily in the temple, meditating on the Torah, meditating on the Tanakh, meditating on the Word of God and the Scripture, and listening to the priest and the high priest. And celebrating the feast. You see, he had a a ritual God. And that ritual involved prayer. That ritual involved the meditation of God's word daily. It involved fellowship and breaking bread. He taught breaking of bread house to house. And then in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, when the first Christians came together, we see them breaking bread from house to house, worshiping God in the temple, praying in one accord. So we need to begin to follow New Testament patterns, follow scriptural patterns. If you want to see the kingdom of God come and the will of God done, If you want to see biblical Christianity manifested, then you've got to begin to walk out your Christianity in accordance with the Bible. You've got to follow God's word. You've got to follow God's ways. God's ways actually work. You know, God's word actually, you know, it says it doesn't return void. 
Why would God say that? Maybe because it's truth? So get the word of God in your mouth. Get the high praises of God in your mouth. Get the two-edged sword in your hand. See, if you're going to build, remember Nehemiah? They had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. They knew how to fight and how to war and how to take their position against their enemy. At the same time, they knew how to pull together in unity as a family, as a force, as a group, as a community, and build. And in God's kingdom, you're going to have to understand how to fight your enemy. At the same time, you're going to have to learn how to love your brother and build. On one hand, you're going to have to cast down the vain imaginations and fight the enemies within yourself. Trusting that greater is the Holy Spirit within you than he that's in the world. But there's a discipline. Before the, the kingdom becomes a delight, sometimes there's a discipline. You may have a desire, and you may experience the pleasures of God because in his presence there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And you may experience some of that. But if you're going to have a consistently overcoming life, you're going to overcome by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. You're going to overcome by not drawing back and putting your hand to the plow, not looking back, but having faith in God and believing that he is. And when you approach God, you take him at his word. You hide his word in your heart so that you don't sin against him, so you can go forward and know God. Be still and know that he is God. And be a sheep and hear his voice. Because as you know him, you'll be strong. You'll do great exploits. That's what the word says. But there's a process. Everybody's process is a little different. But God still has patterns. There's still some protocols. There's still some certain things that are line upon line, precepts upon precepts in the word of God. And one of those things is meditate day and night upon the Lord and upon his word. So hide this word in your heart. Let it speak to you.
and all who are thirsty and all who are weak come to the fountain and if you are
God, we're back, and this is Prayer International Radio, taking some time to just worship the Lord, and uh, just wanted to just kind of exhort everybody tonight, just in the place of prayer, in the area of prayer, uh, you know, Jesus said this, he said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door, you don't have to pray, you know, publicly to be seen in men. But your father would reward you and will reward you when he sees you praying in secret. So we need to really understand the value that God puts on the secret place. Understand the value that God puts on praying and aligning ourselves with the Lord even when no one else sees, even when no one else is around. When he's the only one watching. He wants us aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God, calling out his kingdom come. His will be done just as it is in heaven. So let it be here in the earth. And that's God's cry. That's God's heart. That was the heart cry of Jesus. That's how he taught us to pray. God, not my will. God, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Whatever kingdom you've got going on up there, Bring it down here. Let your glory come down. Let your kingdom come down. Let your wind blow and your fire fall. Let your glory come down. See, that's what we pray. God, let your glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Constantly asking God. He says, seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added. So we need to make sure our hearts are constantly crying out, Abba, Father. Making sure our minds are set on things above, seated with Christ, positioned with Christ. 
declaring his kingdom from that heavenly position, from that heavenly perspective. So God is calling us higher. God is calling us. Come up here. Be seated with Christ in heavenly places. He says, my soul takes no pleasure in him who draws back. But don't be weak in your faith. Don't faint not to see if you faint not. You hold on. You're going to reap in due time, in due season. Don't be weary in well-doing. And some of you grow weary in well-doing. Because, see, you want God to answer you on your timetable. You want God's promises to come in your life when you think they should. What about Martha? What about Mary when Lazarus was laying dead? And they thought God was late. They thought, Jesus, if you'd only gotten here quicker, our life, our family would not have fallen apart. See, Jesus knew he was the resurrection. Just because it appears things have fallen apart, it appears things are in the tomb, it appears things are dead, it appears things are ruined and desolate and wasted in your life. God is the resurrection. He's the one that makes the streams in the desert. He's the one that takes the wasted, ruined, desolate places and turns them into something that can be inhabited, something that can give him glory and honor. So allow God to come in and give you beauty for ashes. You see, his promise for you is beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for heaviness. See, he wants to replace the briars and the thorns with the myrtle trees and the cypress trees. He wants to take what's dry and weary and strengthen it and make it nourishing and abundant. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask, Lord, your blessings on those in the chat room tonight, Father. Standing in agreement for friends and family that are represented tonight, declaring, Lord, that you are a healer. Just want to testify, Father. Carolyn Prim, a friend of ours, got a positive report saying that the doctor said she is cancer-free. She's been healed by the power of Jesus. And if you're believing God for a miracle, begin to begin to stretch your faith, begin to ask Him, begin to believe. See, he's not slack. He's not slow concerning his promises. You've just got to press in. You've got to wrestle with him until you get what what you expect. See, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The question is, are you diligently seeking him? Are you diligently seeking him? Are you seeking first his kingdom? Are you pressing in? Are you seeking his face? 
Are you hiding his word in your heart? See, he's looking for hearts. He's looking for men. He's looking for women that will stand in a gap. He's looking for watchmen that will take their place on the wall. He's looking for people he can share his secrets with. Secrets of his heart. The secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him. Do you fear him today? Do you respect him? Do you have an awe, a reverence? Do you bow to him in your heart? Do you bend and, and, and incline your knee out of honor, out of respect? So allow the Holy Spirit to work in you tonight. Allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you tonight, to heal you in your body, to heal you in your mind. See, just one touch, just one touch. Thank you. 